Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by Barefoot Buttons. They're the barefoot buttons of buttons. They are little aluminum toppers that go on your stomp switches. And they make it so they're a bigger target and uh, they're just easier to hit. Yeah, you know what? There was someone on the group earlier today. I don't remember who it was exactly, so we'll say it was Adam Dolhanik. Um, <laughs> but they were saying, oh, of all the things that, uh, all the guitar gimmicks that I thought were snake oil, I was suspicious of barefoot buttons at first, but now that I have one, it's uh, I get it. It totally works for me. It's not exact words. I'm paraphrasing. I don't have his post in front of me, but that's what he was saying. And it's true. Uh, they seem so simple that it might be a little silly, but guess what? It's not silly. You put these on your pedals, they're going to help you out, and you're going to appreciate them. You don't need one on every single pedal. If you want to put one on every pedal, I'm not going to stop you. But it's great to have just like one or two, maybe even three around, to stick in those deep, dark spaces on your board that you just can't get your toes into. It makes those pedals accessible again. I'm a big fan. Go check out Barefoot Buttons. This episode is also brought to you by Sinusoid. If you're looking for a custom-length cable... Uh, for guitar. Now they have speaker cables, actually. They just yeah. rolled out a speaker cable line. Uh, check out sinusoid.com or sinusoidcables.com. Yeah, or vodkafishnachos.com. You know, some people say that uh, sinusoid cables are the perfect cable for vampires because of their 100-year guarantee because vampires will live long enough unless they encounter Blade, the Daywalker. Um Vampires will live long enough to really cash in on that 100-year guarantee. But I say a better thing to say about sinusoid cables is that they are the pet parrot of cables. Go look up sinusoid cables. You're going to love it. Hey, this is Chris Brewer. And hey, this is Chris Brewer as well. And you're listening to CT Cycle Hum, the guitar, buying, selling, training, fixing, modding, breaking, reviewing, playing. I feel like I left one out. Buying, selling, trading, fixing, fixing modding, modding, breaking, 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 okay. breaking reviewing. Oh, I didn't say breaking. Yeah. Podcast. We're Chris Brewers. All right. Here we are. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> really cool. How are you doing, Steve? I'm good, man. Uh, I had a kind of a a, work, a week of work, and now I'm here recording a show. Sounds pretty normal to me, Steve. Yep. How are you feeling? You feel all right? Yeah, I feel great. Good, good. Um, How are you, Ryan? How feel, is your health? I feel good. How is your personal health? I feel healthy. My personal health feels personally good, Steve. Uh, I did a, I did a long day of actual work instead of just sitting at home pretending to be, that's always you know, good. Some guy who works, I left my house, went to a place and did work there and then came home like wow. a normal person. So I'm feeling, you uh, working that nine to five. Yeah. Well, it wasn't nine to five. I oh, did it. Okay. I did a 10 to four. I had working that 10 to four, <laughs> <laughs> but still it was real work, Steve. I'm proud of myself. Versus your usual fake work. Yeah, the fake work I usually do is sitting around making silly little pictures and making a little videos for YouTube. Like, who cares about that? Um, so I have been expanding my amp journey at a frightening pace since our last episode. Okay. Um, that's like my new thing. Just buying amps. You're buying just, all the amps. That's just all I do now is just buy amps, apparently. I don't remember what I left off, off on 
on the last episode. Um, you had uh, I bought the the katana, and I bought an AC fifteen, right? I think so. I think that's all you had the last time we recorded. Because I went and I pulled the trigger on one of those Vox miniature amps too. Those little fifty watt heads with the. Well, uh, wasn't it the wrong one? It was the wrong one at first, Steve. Good memory. Because I posted about it in the inner circle. I was like, ah, I just pulled the trigger on this. And someone was like, oh, you're going for the clean one, huh? And I was like, uh, no. Because you want to get the AC one so you yeah. can compare it to the AC-15. Exactly. So I canceled that order right away. And then I made the correct order. Um, it still hasn't shown up. It's on back order. Did you, is that the one you ordered? I was going to say, I saw that email. It looked kind of sketch. <laughs> <laughs> and by it looked kind of sketch, I mean, you sounded kind of sketch. I did. Well, I don't know. Because I was no, I, I uh, ordered. Hey, I'm uh, gonna get this new product. What's your return policy? I know. Well, I wanted to just put it out there. Robert from Sweetwater is asking me if I truly intended to buy two amps within a week of each other that are both on back order. I was right. like, Ryan, are you okay? Did you mean to buy this many amps? Wait, what's the other one you bought on back order? The uh, the the katana. Oh, gotcha. So neither of those have shown up yet. Um, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to get them both, and whichever one's better, I'm going to keep, and the other one I'm going to send back to you, You know, that suckers. sounds like a dick move, but I bet that happens all the time over there. If you actually keep one of them, it's probably not that bad. If you sent both of them back, then it's a dick well, move. But here's, here's my hope, and this is my sincere hope, and this is an early review of the AC, AC-15. I think it sounds great. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. It's been fun to mess around with this flavor amp that's completely different from all my other amps that I've ever had. Um, that thing is... It's more of a chocolate, isn't that it? That thing is a heavy. Yeah. It's a heavy son of a bee. I think it's like 47 pounds or something like that. I'm... I'm it's, it's not as heavy as my Classic 50, but it's, it's similar. It's a similar. It hurts my hand holding that handle walking from my car to the church. Right? The, isn't the cabinet pretty small too? Like it's, it's bigger than the Princeton. Right. But I'm, in now, my it's head, it's kind of beefy, man. You can come upstairs and take a look <clears throat> at yeah, it. I need to look at it. It's pretty. In my head, the AC15 is smaller than the Hot Rod Deluxe, which is a similar weight. I think they might. It might. It, I think it's smaller vertically, but it's pretty wide. Mm. But uh, someone was telling me that the the because a lot of people are saying that all the weight comes from the box from the cab. Yeah. Um, someone was telling me it's the transformers they use in them. The transformers are just right. huge, and it's just a giant chunk of steel in there. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. It's probably a mix of the two. But what I'm hoping yeah, with th- this Vox Mini amp is that it sounds close enough and gives me enough of the correct flavor of a Vox amp. That I can just keep the mini amp and sell the AC15 right. uh, when I'm done doing my demo work with it. Because it's just so big and so heavy, I, it's an inconvenience to me. I don't feel motivated to drag it to church again. <laughs> and I don't think I'm ever going to have a band that I'm going to want to use it in. So that's kind of where I'm sitting at with the AC15 right now. Gotcha. I also got my speaker caps loaded up. You can get a Marshall, man. Oh, my gosh. Cassidy uh, got me those speakers, that, uh, speaker cabs that he made. I loaded them up with speakers, and I've been having a blast the past couple days. Oh yeah, uh, running uh, my Princeton through them. I could keep switching, like going from the Princeton speaker to the Celestian to the Weber, and like how much louder is the Princeton through the blue? 
than it is through like it the, does. The I stock do speaker. feel like there's. Well, here's the thing. I can plug in the 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 stock speaker and the extension speaker at the same time. Oh, okay. The the Celestian definitely overpowers the stock speaker, but the stock speaker is also a 10 inch. So I don't know how right. fair that is. But there definitely is a a volume difference between. So the you're two. saying that you should have gotten the. Uh there is a 10-inch version of the Celestian Blue. Well, a lot of people swap um, out speaker baffles on the Princetons, and they can you can fit a 12-inch in there. So gotcha. I've been messing around with it. I have some early opinions on well, the speakers, but I'm not going to talk about them here. How do you think the volume, just volume-wise, how do you think it, the Weber compares to the Blue? It's not quite as loud as the Blue, but I think it's... Still a little bit louder than the uh, than right. the Princeton stock speaker. I just mentioned that because like volume, I'm, I shouldn't say volume is what the blue is known for, but it's one of the things it's yeah. definitely known for is is high sensitivity. I definitely say that the ACC 15, jumping on that, uh, for only being what three watts more powerful than the yeah. Princeton, it's got a lot more headroom on it. Uh, as far really? as volume goes, it doesn't have as much low end headroom as the Fender does. The Fender, Fender's got a bigger boom to it. Because I would, I actually would have expected the headroom to be pretty similar. But I wonder, maybe it's it a might speaker difference. A, it could be, a, it could be a speaker difference. It could also be a difference in just the breakup, like the way it breaks up. Sure, that the AC15 could be because, like. I know for for years, and I mean, I haven't sat down with any, any of these amps, um, but I know for years, like the the common mythos, I guess, um, was that like the AC30, like if you compared like an AC30 to like a, a Fender Deluxe Reverb, right? that the reason that the AC30 was louder wasn't, I mean, aside from, again, the, the blues, um and eight watts, I guess, which really is negligible. Yeah, yeah. From a, from a power standpoint, um, was just that when an AC thirty hits like its its threat its wattage threshold where it's no longer clean watts, uh-huh. that it continues to go up and it distorts in a way that's like very warm. Right. Whereas like Fender, like Fender is like the Fendery clean and it's the Fendery clean is so with a blackface style amp at least is so like distinctively like what it is that as soon as that chime disappears, you're like, my headroom's gone. Right. But with the Vox, like the Vox clean chime, I guess you would say like carries into like warm, lightly overdriven territory a lot further. Mm. Yeah. I just feel like it's louder in general. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Could be. Do you have anything new to talk about, Steve? Uh, I thought I did, but I don't know what it was. Oh, I tried the Ultimate Ears again. Oh, really? Did you send them back yet? No. Has your ear changed? Did they fit your head better? I felt like they fit better. They kind of, I don't know. I, I, need to, I need to figure it out. I just, there are things about it that I don't, I feel like unless I sit down with one of their reps and be like, these are my in-ears, I want you to put them in my ear. Right. Like, I don't think I'm going to get the answers I want. Interesting. Um, because, you just need to send them back. Or well, like, it's one of those. You should have got refit at NAM. Oh, yeah. Is what you should have done. It's one of those things where it's like, I just, I don't know if they fit wrong or like I put them into a part where I felt like they locked into my ear. But then when at that point there was no seal, I can get them into where I think they sound good, but they're still not like 
the seal that I feel like it should have. Mine so I don't are know. sealed so tight that like if I've got a little bit of moisture in my ear, like I came to church straight from taking a shower. Right. Like it's almost uncomfortable how tight they suction. Like right. It is a closed system once they're in. Yeah. I know. I know you've said when with yours that like when you have have a man like you can't have a conversation no i can't hear anything and i'm definitely like not getting that yeah you just have a bad fit on a man you need so, to get you need to get rescanned and get a new yeah fit. i mean i've only had the um rma open for like four or five months i know so. right the emails are just sitting there waiting for you yeah well you know they're definitely even in the condition that they are I will say that they're way better than the three other, um, or yeah, two. I guess two other sets of in ears I have. Oh, of really? course, you know, their magnitudes more expensive. Yeah, but they're definitely like even with a bad fit, like they're they sound a lot better. I huh. think. Yeah, mine sound really great. Like I've, especially since coming to the new church where there's they got a pretty decent yeah. in ear setup, like. And good mix, like they sound really solid. Well, I, you know, I still wonder about our mix because, and I've had other guys say that they have to do the same thing. I, I run bass at like, excuse me, um, the bass mix like max and everything else. I run at like a quarter or a third. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, but I wonder how much of that is just based on like the signal that is coming off the, the yeah. soundboard. Yeah. So it, I wouldn't doubt it at all. All right, well, should we jump into some housekeeping or should we do an ad? Oh, let's uh, let's do an ad. Let's do an ad. Okay, for sure. let's jump into an ad. This actually is not an advertisement. This was, uh, I'm trying to make an effort to grab more content out of the Facebook group. So if yeah. you post interesting stuff there, it might end up on the show. Um, way, to, way, to pitch your, way to pitch this tent. Yeah, I'm, I'm really pitching some tent here. This was posted by... Uh, I'm so glad we came up with that phrase. I know, we invented it. Remember when we invented pen, pitching tent? Yeah. Um, Mark Roskowski. I said that right, I think. You did. Okay. Uh, and he said, this is amazing advice. And it's a screen grab of like a user manual for some course. It doesn't say which chorus... Um, but it's a three knobber. It's got a speed, width, and time. And the description here for a product, I'm assuming is the product manual for that product. Like the, the manufacturer wrote this. Yeah. It says, although the chorus effect seems to improve almost any sound, the key to its proper use in mu- is musical. Okay. The key to its proper use in music is restraint. When the special stereo effect is used to emphasize or bring attention to a certain passage, it has more exciting effect to the listener than constant usage. This is a, I think this is an Ibanez manual. It does look like Ibanez knobs, doesn't it? Yep. So I'm sorry I mangled that reading a little bit, but it's hilarious to me that if this is an Ibanez manual, then this is from a time period when people were using lots and lots of chorus too. Cause this is like well, if, late eighties. Yeah. It looks like a 10, uh, yeah. 10 series. Yeah, Something 10 like series. that. But it's, it's just hilarious to me that the manual would be like, listen, if yeah, you use this, is this, a, this is the Ibanez SC 10, yeah. uh, manual. If you use sure. this too much, 
it's just going to be like kind of over the top. So maybe you should just have a little restraint when you turn on this chorus. Well, so the funny thing about guys. it is then it says light chorus and it's like everything's basically at 12 o'clock. Then for thick chorus, the speed is the same, but the width and the D time um, is maximized. Yeah, yeah. And uh, insert obvious joke here. So there we go. <laughs> but imagine if they put this kind of disclaimer on all kinds of different pedals. Like if they were like, listen, here's kind of like, we're kind of trying to give you a hint how to use this and don't be a dick with it, you know? Right, like, right. Like with the distortion pedal, it'd be like, you don't don't turn up the distortion to get louder. That's what the volume knob is for, you know? Or like, you, or like with the fuzz pedal, why are you turning this below like 80%? Like why the, are you turning this below 80%? The fuzz needs to be all the way up. Why did we even give you a knob? You know... There somewhere out there, somebody's got a pedal, like somebody's have has got to have made a pedal where they basically they have the pot, but attached to the pot, uh, they've got like a resistor going in, or maybe it, you put a resistor on the output where basically uh-huh. like even at zero, you're still like at at like within the range. So your knob, you're not really going from like zero to whatever right. the max of the pot is. You're going to like in some limited range. So it's like the it's all each pot is just subtlety, subtle variations on like one sound. Well, I'm pretty sure that they do that. I'm pretty sure that but I'm saying that I want it to be like really extreme. Oh, okay. Like, well, that's probably what's going on with like the JHS Milkman pedal, where there's yeah. a, a very tight range of just slapback echo yeah. across the sweep of a knob. Uh, for delay, like a version of this manual could say like this delay has up to two seconds of repeats. Don't do that. <laughs> like, don't, don't do that to your band. Don't have two second long trails guys. <laughs> like maybe, maybe like 300 milliseconds. That's all you need. Really? Milliseconds. <laughs> I've got a, I've got a 400, I've got two 450 millisecond delays and they're uh-huh. both fine. They both work great. Oh man, I need to play guitar more, man. You do I've been playing play bass, but I'm uh, playing you're good bass more. Too. But uh, I haven't, I haven't been playing. Guitar. Are you still playing the Eastwood a lot? Yeah. Um. I mean, it depends on how much I want to get load in, really. Right. And how much room I have. Um. But I've been, I've been kind of going back and forth, especially with bass. Like I've been traveling lighter, so. A lot of times I'll just grab, I've got a laptop bag that's like my acoustic bag. It just has like a couple cables and a Boss TU2 in it. Uh-huh. So I will grab that and, because uh, I usually pair that with my acoustic guitar. Um, but I've been using that sometimes for bass where it's like, do I really want an entire pedal board? Yeah. The answer is yes. Yeah, you always do. Uh, am I really going to use an entire pedal board? The answer is probably no. <laughs> <laughs> Answer is usually no. How many pedals do you think you use with bass for a normal set? Uh, maybe uh, besides the tuner, of course. Besides the tuner, Steve. Uh, the Micropog I will sometimes use depending on the song and depending on who all like who, what other part. Like if we don't have another electric guitarist, then I'm pretty much just playing bass, right? Like just I just keep it pretty simple. Um. If there's like an electric guitar and piano there, then I'll sometimes use the Micropog. Um, and I will use either the Architect from Matthew's Effects or the El Cardinal from uh, 
Friday Club pedals to get like a light drive sound. Gotcha. How are you like an architect for bass? Honestly, like I, it's it's such a subtle. It's very subtle. Yeah, it doesn't really like. It's actually almost too light of a drive for bass. I would Interesting. say. Interesting. Um, do you use the EQ control at all? I do. Okay. I do. So I've gotten some good use out of that, and that that is a cool function. But I find that like, even with the gain basically like peak like maxed, I'm getting like into the ter- same territory I would expect to get to with like a tube screamer on bass. I right. Guess. Right. But that's that transparent style drive. Right. Know? Right. Well, that's what I mean. Like, it's a very like low gain. So I'm saying with max, like I'm probably where I would think a tube screamer would be at like. 10 or 11 o'clock right right so you gotta you gotta really work and and of course with bass like that's the one thing is even even with the eq there so you're getting better signal retention but bass just distorts a lot differently than guitar signal does in my experience in terms of the way like the the features of the signal get right so uh should we uh we should we tackle a topic yeah, yeah. This topic was sent in by. Um, you have it, Adam Dolhanic. I don't have it, but I can find it quickly. You find it quickly. I mean, he uh, doesn't he ask for this every single time we do a topic call. Uh, dude, don't burn the lead, um, or bury the lead. That's what it is. Okay. Uh, yeah, he's asked this every time we ask for topics. It's how to set up a guitar for dummies, and. Uh, we thought about like the best way to approach this, and um, I mean, really, like I mean, this is a big conversation. Why do you need to set up a guitar for dummies? I mean, they don't play guitar; they're they're just no, they're see, man- just mannequins. Plenty. Oh, those kinds of dummies. Yeah. I thought we were talking about stupid people. No, no, like you're talking about a mannequin situation. Yeah, yeah. You know, ooh, take a breathe. Ooh, take a breathe. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know why we're giving guitars to dummies. They can't even play them. Their fingers are stuck in the same position. Yeah. Unless they come alive, thanks to Anthony Michael Thomas Hall <laughs> Reinhold. Who was the dude? Are in, those all his names? Who was the dude in that movie? I don't, I don't know. All, all 80s leading leading men, like 80s teen leading men, start they to, all a just, lot of them run together for they me. They all just look like the, the, the lead character from Police Academy. Steve Gutenberg? Yeah, they all look like Steve Gutenberg in my head. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's bad. I know, dude. right? Like every '80s dude, it's just Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> he, yeah, so he, was, up, he set, looks weird. Setting set up guitars, like let's shift this into the direction it was meant to go in. Like Andrew, Andrew McCarthy, the one that I didn't name. The uh, setting up guitars for dumb people. Yeah, like people who are stupid, or for people who just have never set up a a bicycle bell. Why are you ringing a bicycle? There's a tricycle next to me. Why didn't we go get a guitar for this? Uh, Okay, so you got a dumb person. You got to figure out how dumb they are. How dumb are you? Like you're gonna need a guitar set up so that a dumb person can play it. Uh, So you're gonna want to go with an open tuning, and you're gonna want to give them a big old slide. Like I'm not talking like a finger slide. I'm talking like give them a big glass bottle, put it on their lap, and be like, "This is open. There's no wrong notes." Knock yourself out. What do you think about that? I don't. I, I don't think that was really the question. Well, you thought it was about like department store dummies. I think I. My, I think mine was closer than yours was. You think yours was closer to the spirit of the question? I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. 
Oh, uh, man. I mean, the real answer, we're talking about, you know, like, the simple gritty, nitty-gritty, like, get down to it, how to yeah, set up a guitar. So, so, like, go get yourself a screwdriver. Get yourself an Allen wrench. And uh, you just figure it out. That's what I did. Oh, is it really? Yeah, just figure it no, out. Uh, no, you didn't read anything? No, I think I just figured it out. No, I would say here... It's really easy to, like, experiment with guitars and... and le- here's I'll say this don't go like tweaking the truss rod as your first thing ever yeah like uh, uh, read things on the truss rod but go like look at your bridge and look at the screws that are on it and the the adjustment points just mess around with it spend a day messing around with it experiment figure out what you like there are definitely things that are um, it's all reversible that are more intuitive Um, I would say that as far as this is less I guess this is sort of a setup thing if you're having issues with, like, say, your guitar staying in tune, um, the first thing that I would look at is your nut, your uh, nut or saddle or string tree binding. Yeah. So uh, those are all things I look at right away. You can usually tell uh, if, like, when if you do like a uh, like a whole octave bend on a string. Yeah. And you hear it ping. Yeah. If you're hearing, you just got to figure out where that ping is coming from. If you're hearing the pinging and the clicking when you're, uh, when you're doing string bends, that means that your nut is your, your string is getting caught either in your nut or your string tree, or maybe even on your bridge saddle. It could could be bridge saddle. if, If you have a guitar with a long bit of string behind the bridge, like say you have a, a trapeze tailpiece, yeah, or you have like a uh, you know an offset. Well, really, anything trim. with like a tunematic can do this. Yeah, there's not a lot of room for that string to stretch behind the bridge, but it's possible. It, more often than not, it's your nut. Yeah, and so, you guess what? You can fix that with pencil. A, a pencil. Pencil. You use the the lead in your pencil is graphite. Graphite makes metal slide against other materials. Just draw some pencil into your uh, into your little uh, nut carve there, and let the string slide around in it, and it's going to be fine. Yeah, that's uh, that's so that's uh, that's a pro tip, guys. Pro pro, pro, pro is short for, for professional. That's a professional tip. That's right. Um, professional. As far as things, different things go. I mean, a lot of guys, uh, things like action, uh, right. neck flex. Or net curvature, you know, those are things that are kind of um, more, I guess, personal. Here's, here's, you can adjust the action almost exclusively with the bridge. If you have a problem yeah. with the neck, you might need to make a truss adjustment. But if you've got a, like a Gibson style tunematic bridge, there's two posts on the side. Mm-hmm. You either use a screwdriver, a flathead screwdriver on the two posts, or you have to finger twist it. Right. And you just lower the action or you raise the action. Yep. If you're finding spots that buzz out on your fretboard and you don't want them to buzz out, you're going to need to raise that action. If this, you're having to press too hard on your strings, lower that action. It's, it's simple stuff. Um, intonation is a little bit trickier. A little bit. Like literally all I do to intonate a guitar, and I'm sure there's repair guys out there who have all these tips and have all these things that they go through and stuff that they do. I just get a tuner. Plug the guitar into a tuner. You pluck the string, get it in tune, open. Mm-hmm. Then you hold it down at the twelfth fret, pluck it again. Oh, is my string not in tune at the twelfth fret with the open fret? 
then you make adjustments on your uh, your bridge saddle there. Yeah, you just back also, and forth. Like you, I don't even need to tell you which direction to adjust it because all you do is adjust it in one direction and then check it, and you'll see which direction well, is yeah, going. Whatever direction you change it in, you have to tune your guitar again before you can. You check do it. have to tune your guitar again before you check it but come on you that can was do a that. pro tip guys tune another your, tune your guitar again professional tip from steve good professional tip steve steve has a professional tip not everyone knows that mm-hmm. <laughs> he nodded confidently i don't even know what that means <laughs> all right so um so we've covered uh the action we've covered intonation we've covered string binding um what else is there how about just a good old good old fashion if your fretboard's getting nasty what do you do what what do you, what is your preferred method of cleaning a fretboard right what i used to do and there's probably going to be people other who's going to scream at their uh podcast player when i say this wd40 i used to use rubbing alcohol to get the oh. to get the real nasty grease off mm, but i'm a dude. sweater I'm yeah. a sweat boy. Like anything, I any moisture I might have sucked out of the fretboard, I immediately put back in uh, with my sweat. I feel like if you're getting that extreme that you need to use like rubbing alcohol to get it out, then you probably need to start with um, like a razor, like a <laughs> no, straight I would, razor. No, I would scrape it. I would or, scrape it first. Um, I usually use like an old gift card. Yeah, yeah. I like use old gift card. cards or old credit card to to scrape off dirt. And then um, I've got the product that I've used the most, though I haven't used on any of my instruments in a while, is one called Fingerese. Uh-huh. And I've heard some mixed things about what all is in it. And I've heard some guys say, like, well, it's silicone, and so you shouldn't use it. But then I've read other things where they say, like, oh, it's not silicone, so it's fine. <laughs> it could be anything. Um, so I don't really know what's in it. So, so definitely. Watch, it's just rubbing alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely look into it where you buy it. A lot of guys use just like lemon oil to lubricate or uh-huh. some kind of oil like that. Like I said, I don't need to lubricate my fretboard. Um, I do that myself. But uh, I use fingeries to pretty much just do net cleaning. Yeah. I've, I've always been using, really like that. I've been using that gear supply cleaner. Yeah, you have, lately you have instead the cleaner. Of and, I have, actually, and I have the polish. So my stuff is only good for the body. I think I've got two bottles of the cleaner. Oh, now. really? I should give one to you. Um, but yeah, that cleaner works just fine. I don't know what's in it, but it's not scented. So your guitar's scent doesn't change. That's the one downside with fingeries. I will say is that it is in an aerosol can and it definitely has a smell to it. Yeah. That, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of funky. No, the gear supply stuff just kind of like doesn't smell. You just wipe it up and it dries like water and doesn't leave a residue or anything like that. Um, they have been a former sponsor of the show. They might be a sponsor again. We still like those guys. Yeah. Something I used to have in my bag all the time that I haven't in a while and I probably should put back in is just like a rubbing, some kind of like terry cloth or microfiber cloth that I can just use for like just a versatile kind of junk cloth where it's like, oh, this guitar feels weird. Well, in a pinch, like I can go soak that thing down and like, and that actually, that's what I used to use probably the most to clean guitars is um is just hot water like hot water sure and a rag where i'll just put hot water you know run hot water yeah soak the rag wring it out so it's just you know damp and just elbow grease it yeah i mean if if my guitar is really dirty i'll take it out in the front yard with a hot bucket of suddy water 
And I'll just scrub it with a big sponge, you know? <laughs> that way you know you're getting the inside and the outside actually, clean. I actually saw someone doing that with their couch one time. They <laughs> dragged their couch out into the front yard. If you didn't... And they, they, were, they were spraying the couch down with no, a hose. And yeah, had if, it was like soap on it. It was if, all soapy. If you missed it, that was a joke. It was definitely a joke. Don't, don't take your guitar outside and wash it with the dish soap yeah and a sponge like your freaking car <laughs> don't use dish soap on your car either what's wrong with dish soap on your car it's too strong oh really yeah yeah that's what we always did growing up i know you know what i do and that's why your family's cars growing up always look like garbage you know what you know what i do to wash my car now you don't i don't that's me i've oh. still got dirt on my car from a Mexico trip I did like three years ago. <laughs> All right, I, I think I've run my car through a drive a drive through car wash at least like once. Well, I've got in it like caked last in, year. into the uh, into the little logo. Oh, there. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, there's that red Mexico dirt there in the uh, Nissan logo. <laughs> my good old Sentra over here. Should oh, we move man. on to the next ad? Yeah, let's hit the next ad. This next ad was also sent to us by Adam. Dol- this is just an Adam Dolhanic. He's night. he really inboxed us. Uh, he is uh, the inboxer. Where is it? Okay, so this wasn't. Oh, this is an ad, but it's like more like an advertisement for a product. Yeah, this is called the String Butler. I mean, they're all advertisements for products, but this is like for uh, for some reason you spell used Butler with two T's. But the butatler, 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 All right. Anyway, um, hey man, I got I I bust these things out as quick as I can. I don't spend any time sitting there like spell checking. Obviously, the, the description of the file it says it in the picture here. What do you want? All right, from this me, is Steve? a string butler, silver chrome, twenty sixteen. Um, the description says the string butler set in silver finish, improved tuning stability for electric or western acoustic acoustic guitars. With three left slash three right machine heads on the headstock. So basically, um, this is a thing. Well, you asked me before when we when we were talking about what, what ads would make it into this episode. When I brought this up, you asked me, do you think that's dumb? And then do you think I, this is dumb? And then I kind of gave an answer. And then I asked you, Steve. Well, Steve, do you think it's dumb? And you didn't answer me. So this time you're going to answer first. Do All you right. think this is dumb? Um, I don't think it's the worst thing ever because... Well, should we describe well, what the product okay. does? So this is a uh, device um, that butlers your string. <laughs> it butlers it? Um, it, it, it well, what's the theme song for Mr. Belvedere? Oh, uh... Oh, yeah, it's like instrumental, huh? Um, I don't know, man. Derek, I was gonna do Derek this, would know. I was going to sing the theme song to Three's Company and I realized immediately that was wrong. Oh, uh, not going to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man. Uh, That's it, Steve. You nailed it. Perfect. Let's move on to talking about this. <laughs> Everyone's got it stuck in their head now that you've sung it perfectly, Steve. Oh, my gosh. I don't think it really sounds anyway. Okay, so this uh, is a so product. this goes between the E and the E string, the low E and the high E. It kind of bridge, on the, up on the tuning pegs, up on the tuning pegs, and what basically what it does is it gives you um, some kind of I guess peg to force your string angle down further. Well, it's not just that; it's also about getting the string straight over the nut, so the strings aren't 
uh, making a, a turn out of the nut. Is that a big deal? Um, well, we were talking earlier setting up a guitar for a dumb person. I mean, I uh, guess if you if you're if you're having binding at this nut, the, this would, might help with that. The theory is that this would help with binding issues. Um, the string binding in the nut. I've never felt like I don't haven't owned a ton of three by three headstock guitars, um, but I don't feel like I've had any where I was like, oh, this is tuning unstable because of the nut. Right. Um, and if I it guess, has been, you just put a little pencil up there. I guess my acoustic guitar is the one that I would play the most, and it's pretty stable. I tune it before rehearsal, and I don't tune it again until the next week before rehearsal. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't seem like something that's going to hurt anything. Like, this is not going to damage your guitar right. anymore. Anyway. It looks like it basically, it the way you would install it is you remove the nuts that retain your tuner tuning pegs and you slide it under there and you put your nuts back down. So it's non-invasive. Yeah. And you can take this thing on and off. I'm assuming if you do it pretty smoothly, you're not going to damage the guitar at all. Yeah. So, um, so I guess I can see some advantages to it. It doesn't look terrible. No, it looks okay. It just puts a bunch of like, it looks like you have four extra peg heads on and your, it, it comes in on your net head. It comes in two other colors too. You can't see in the little, thumbnail down there but there's a black version and a gold version i feel like if i was gonna stick uh, one of these on a like a gibson that's got the black gibson headstock i would go for black and just let it disappear right so yeah improves st- tuning stability but i mean maybe if you're having that much of an issue with tuning stability um but like i said it's never been an issue for me i mean so. this thing is it's it's obviously, you know, it reads a little bit as a gimmick. Well, and at least it doesn't. At least it doesn't claim to like add sustain to your guitar by adding right, metal mass. Right, you know? it's just straightening out the string past the nuts, so you've got a little more, yeah, like a little better angle going in. So, looks, so I guess I get it. It looks fairly universal too. Like it's only it's only fifty bucks. Like it's not yeah. that bad. Like if you are having problems that are not resolved through traditional means. I like lubricating your nut or yeah. like filing it. Yeah, or like getting new tuners or something like that. Maybe the tuners are the problem. I think, you know, actually you mentioned that. I see, going back to guitar setup a little bit, um, I've seen a lot of people be like, oh, I got this guitar, whatever. These tuners suck. I need to replace them. And in a lot of cases, like, I wonder if people do the other checks, like, is it your nut binding? Right. Is it all these other places binding? Because in order for a tuner to be slipping, that means the gear has to be going in reverse. Like a tuner yes. can't just slip. Some tuners are are pretty loose. Some tuners are, but but, but they're then sometimes. Like but had, another point I'm about to make is a lot of people don't realize that the on a lot of tuners the screw that holds the the part you twist your with your finger in. If you tighten that, it will tighten the tuner, right? To give you more resistance. Um, so I always wonder if some people replace their tuners without knowing that, and needlessly replace tuners that could have been tightened. Yeah, they look at it and they go like, "Oh, this is so loose here. Like, I feel like I'm spinning so much. Like, well, did you try like locking the key, like tuning, right. turning the key back down? I actually, I noticed this the other day. Uh, the tuners on. I've had my I shouldn't say I've had it for so long because it's not that old, but my acoustic guitar is like is like 17, 18 years old. Uh-huh. So some of the uh, 
little plastic grommets yeah. on the tuners are, are gone. Like they wore out. That's kind of funny. Yeah. I haven't replaced them because I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> hey, man, whatever. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> I only P- play two strings anyways. Pizza. <laughs> Pizza. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, hey, man, you know the old saying, who cares? Pizza. What? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Steve. Dude. I don't know. I have, uh, I'm you know, talking about pizza. We tra- we trash talk gimmicks a lot. I don't know. This maybe this works for someone. It's it's they're not trying to fleece anyone with the price. So try it out. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I don't have any need for it. I I've never thought like, oh, the problem with this guitar is that the strings getting pulled through the nut the wrong way. I don't know. Let's uh let's tackle the the last topic that we're gonna yeah do. this topic we're about to do um it's a little it's a little nerdy oh do we have any housekeeping oh yeah let's do some housekeeping let's do housekeeping um, big shout out to uh Alex Booth uh, for joining um our crowdfunding group uh, at the ten dollar level so he is in the inner circle uh huh and also thanks to Mark Schwartz who uh is also giving us crowdfunding um. At a lower level, but I misread it, and so he was in the inner circle for like half an hour. Uh, Steve I, adds Steve adds this guy to the inner circle, and I look at him like I'm pretty sure I saw the dollar amount he pledged, and it wasn't ten dollars. And I don't know what's going on. Maybe him and Steve have something worked out that I'm not aware of. So I text Steve, I'm like, uh, "Are you sure you meant to do that?" <laughs> the guy, <laughs> poor Mark Schwartz. He got to he got a taste of glory. He got to taste the sweet stuff in the inner circle for twenty minutes. If you have questions about the uh, the mysterious things that happen in the inner circle, I guess Mark Schwartz is your man. He's he's seen some stuff. You know, anyway, he got a, he got a peek behind the curtain. <laughs> who's behind that curtain? Anyway? Yeah, it's, uh, there's no one behind there. <laughs> anyway, thanks certainly guy, not thanks a wizard. guys for supporting. Uh, we make light of it, but I mean. Every dollar counts. So whether it's one dollar or a thousand dollars, if there was, uh, a, we appreciate it all. They limit you to one dollar as a minimum. If people could pledge a penny, I would be thankful for that. If people could pledge a peso, I'd be thankful for that. It helps us. I think a peso is more than a penny. No, a peso is supposed to be like like seven pesos equals a penny. I think last I is heard. it really yeah. is it really that bad? Yeah, they're they're smaller than a penny. Um. But what was I going to say? Yeah, every little bit just it just goes straight back into the show. A, pe- just, a peso is five cents right now. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Wow. I thought it was more than that actually, but it's currently five cents. I remember it being much lower. Maybe it was in harder times. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, it just helps the show out. We don't put that money in our pocket. It goes back into expenses to run this thing. So yeah. It's a it's a big deal to have people pledging to the show, guys. All right, let's move on to the ad. Oh, you're not going to tell them where to go if they want to learn more about... Oh, if you want to learn more about the Inner Circle, you can either jump on our Podbean site and click crowdfunding or get onto uh, 60cyclehumcast.com and click on crowdfunding or... Uh, Support the the show. Click on support support the show. show. And it will lead you to the Podbean. (laughs) No, it'll lead you to a page that tells you more about it and then that leads you to Right, It's easy. Like, it's, it's easy and painless, guys. It's like donating to PBS or whatever. You know, yeah. We'll just take your money and you won't miss it. Don't worry. It's not going to hurt. It's kind of like pledging to PBS, except our their content's better than ours. Some of it is. 
Not all of it. <laughs> all right, let's get into this ad, Steve. Let's stop lollygagging around. Um, so I had th- this ad queued up, and then I came in the garage. Or not this ad, this topic queued up. I've got it right here. We are at memory-alpha.wikia.com. This is about... Oh, my gosh. Give me a second. I got to go in your house and get my Wi-Fi back. Oh, my gosh, Steve. Okay, well, I'm going to chat about it while you get your Wi-Fi going. Um, So we've talked quite a bit on the show about how... Well, we've talked about Star Trek. It's It's a thing for Steve and I. We've talked about how the Ferengi are basically the spirit animal of the show with us just, you know, talking about the used market and buying and selling and just Craigslisting and, and, you know, trying to get flips going and all that, all that jazz. So in Star Trek, there's, uh, for the Ferengi, there's what's called the rules of acquisition, which is basically like the Ferengi holy text. It's like their holy scripture. And it's just a bunch of rules for uh, how to do business and how to be profitable. So Steve and I here are going to sit down and go through the ones that we think apply to our Craigslisting and flipping game. All right, so we're just going to... have returned. (laughs) Steve is back. We're just going to like pick out the rules from the rules of acquisition that we think apply to our our, uh, Craigslisting and flipping culture here. Rule number one. Once you have their money, you never give it back. That is... Absolutely true. Like, especially for Craigslist. Um, yeah, yeah. Honestly, like, I won't say that I'm a hundred percent on this, but there's nothing worse than when you sell something and then a month later the guy's like, "Oh, I turned it on," and like, yeah, it doesn't seem as loud as it's supposed to be. Uh, yeah. I, I think you sold me done. I'm like, dude, it's been a month. I don't know what you did. Yeah, I've I've disabled uh return policy on my reverb account oh too. really because i don't want people because there's been a couple of horror stories in the group of people being like i sold this to this guy you know like three weeks later he's like i just don't like it anymore i want to send it back and it's like dude i'm not a shop you don't understand like you didn't buy from reverb you bought through a, a dude yeah like some yeah. dude who sold this to you, you used like yeah i feel like well there are guys rules, out there who rules, will who will have a broken one and they'll buy one, they'll buy like, a, they'll have a broken one in good condition. They'll buy another one that works. And then they'll be like, this thing's broken. And then they'll send it to you. Oh, really? And they're like assuming that you didn't write down the serial number anywhere because you probably So didn't. they're trying to grift you. Yeah. Well, in that case, they're the Ferengi. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, never spends more for an acquisition than you have to. I mean, that's obvious. Yeah. Like that's haggling 101. Like. Don't, you know, don't get excited and think like you have to buy this for you. Like there's always going to be another deal. Um, um, number, never allow fa- family to stand in the way of opportunity. <laughs> like I, I think where this applies is when like, like, oh, hey, uh, wife and children, let's go do a fun thing on a Saturday afternoon. Let's go see what Craigslist deals are going down in that part of the neighborhood. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and you weasel a Craigslist pickup into your family outing. <laughs> yeah. I really like number nine opportunity plus instinct equals profit. Yes. Yes. That we should get that like printed on a shirt. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, and we should talk about the rules of acquisition real quick. According to the Star Trek universe, there I thought are, you already talked about I this. I didn't say this. 
There are 285 rules of acquisition. Yes. And then there are also uh, 47 commentaries, 900 major and minor judgments, and 10,000 considered opinions. But what they have here on the list is only the uh, the rules of acquisition that have been vocalized on Star Trek shows. Yes. You know, all the shows across their, the Star Trek universe. Um, what else is on here? Ex- Rule 45, expand or die. <laughs> yes. That's, that should be called the Blake Weiland rule. Uh, just oh don't sell. Just keep, keep expanding. Keep, you know, buying buildings to put gear into. <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's funny, but in a sense, like that's basically what I did. Like I, I had, I was like, Flipping, flipping, flipping. Uh-huh. Then I got down to a point where it's like I didn't have much left. I was like, I need to just, and I had like some unexpected bills come up. So I stopped expanding and I just took that money and, and now my Craigslist is dead. Uh-huh. My fund is dead. Nope, I'm having no more fund. <laughs> the bigger the smile, the sharper the knife. Like <laughs> whenever I have like a good like Craigslist score, like everyone involved is, is just kind of like mopey. Like, oh, hey, how's it going? Like... <laughs> Here's the money. Like, oh, here's yeah, here's the here's the guitar. Is because they're Thanks. sad about having to sell. No, or? I think everyone's just like, oh, this is just just business. Like, if someone's like really happy in the in the transaction, you're like, okay, what's going on? Right, right. Someone's screwing someone here, you know. <laughs> um, free advice is seldom cheap. <laughs> Oh, this I is like that just a that's just like a legit like wise fable right there. Right. Uh here's a couple good ones. Um number 62, profit is its own reward. The riskier the road, the greater the profit. So I've had uh I mean, I've had some where well, I'll tell you know, I've talked about this before, that Fender USA bullet that I had. Yeah. Where all these guys on Craigslist were like, you're not gonna get more than like 150 bucks for that. You're they're, you're screwed, man. Yeah. I threw that thing on eBay and sold it for a little over four hundred dollars. And I was like, boom. Yeah. How do you like me it. now? Suck it, boys. And then it also made me think of uh Paul Paul Pennington, who was Craigslist touristing San Diego. And hit up a guy who had a bunch of like vintage pedals and was like, how much do you want for the whole lot? And just bought the whole lot, which leads me to rule 74, which is knowledge equals profit. Yeah. Like Paul knew that he could game this to be like, well, if I buy them all as a lot, this guy might go cheaper. I mean, then I can sell each one of these individually and make all of my money back plus a ton of profit. I mean, as far as knowledge equals profit goes like that is the game right there as far as flipping gear yeah if you know what you're looking at and the person selling isn't as knowledgeable as you you know like what it can go for like that's your angle right there you know how much you can haggle for you know if you can do a decent flip and that's where the the real hobbyist side of this whole thing comes in like yeah just being a big enough nerd to know like (laughs) All the pedals, all the guitars, all the amps, and be like, oh, I know what that is. That came out around 1997, and this is what they go for yeah, right and now. It, and if I buy that at this price, then I can make, you know, 75 bucks. Right. Off of it. And it's, it's also just having that, like, you know, 
geekery is all about resources. Like you were yeah. like, oh, they've got the rules of acquisition on this memory-alpha.org.wikia.com thing. Uh, I'm like, dude, yeah, duh. Like <laughs> it's like, it's the Star Trek version of Wikipedia. Right, right. Like, if you don't know what it is, then how are we friends? <laughs> Sorry, I don't Gosh. search for Star there's Trek also, information on Wikipedia all the time. Steve. There's also I just remember Star Trek fondly and and rely on that. There's also a memory beta. Oh my gosh! Uh, it's a, like a sister site that has it's more of a like this less facts, more stories. Gotcha, gotcha. But it's the same sort of thing. Like uh, anyway, <laughs> I like this not. Having to do anything with Greg's listening, this could be applied to you know some of the drama that goes down. Wait, in the hold different on. Rule forty five and rule ninety five are both expand or die. It's important. It's like don't be a dick. You know that's an important rule. Uh, but every once in a while, declare peace. It confuses the hell out of your enemies. <laughs> like that's that's a brilliant rule for all the drama that happens on the various Facebook groups and like people getting all like bent out of shape out of everything. Sometimes right. you just have to be like, hey. It's all fine. We're all friends again. Just to confuse people. Just to like what? throw things off the tracks. Uh, there's a sexist one. But they're Ferengi. They're fictional characters. Their women don't even wear clothes. Um, every man has its price. Yeah, I mean, if you want something bad enough, you can find that level. You can find that price. I yeah. mean got some things that i might sell for the right price i don't know what that price is i don't know i don't even know what i'm saying right now dignity and an empty sack is worth the sack (laughs) like dignity isn't worth anything so it's like (laughs) if you if you like the way i'm reading that is like if you can score a deal but like you have to go dig through like a dumpster behind the Chinese food restaurant to get it. <laughs> it's like the dignity doesn't matter, dude. Just get get the sack, get the uh, get the thing. You know, make the profit. Oh, here's a here's an interesting one. Uh, one ninety. Hear all, trust nothing. Um, I can't remember what what I was doing, but there have definitely been like deals I've made. Well, it's like, even like when I sold that Les Paul Jr., like sometimes it's like, when I hear that, I kind of think of like, you know, um, I think of how sometimes you can make a good deal just by like, kind of just like having a conversation. Uh huh. And like, I guess I don't think of trust. Nothing applies in the sense of like, Oh yeah. Just assume everyone's trying to con you, but at least like, you don't have to like buy into people's, like ideologies or whatever. Right. If they're telling you like something crazy, it's basically like your like just snake oil instinct, you know? Yeah. You know, let me give you an example. But like, like, listen, when someone's spouting snake oil, then you listen to the whole spiel. Cause you're just like, I want to hear what these guys are going to say. Right. So I can like, but it's also like, you know, if you're trying to sell, if you're trying to buy a, you know, a Mexican strat or whatever, and the guy's got like a super good price on it but he's gonna like pitch you this crazy mod that he did right where you already know like i'm just gonna reverse it yeah like just let him let him talk and then just go home and reverse it like he doesn't need to know what you're gonna do with it Uh uh-huh okay what's another good one i don't know ryan you tell me i'm working on it steve oh 
A lot of these don't have to anything to do with Craigslisting. Never begin a business negotiation on an empty stomach. I can agree with that. <laughs> I try to not have an empty stomach as much as possible. <laughs> oh, this was, I think this is a good one. Uh, Latinum lasts longer than lust. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, sometimes you think, man, I got this money. I got this gear acquisition syndrome. Oops. Sometimes you, like, sometimes you know you don't, want the thing that you think you right. want you're just like because you know something better is going to come down the road come down the road you don't need that strymon pedal just because it's a strymon pedal uh-huh but maybe you do who am i to judge but then down here it says never allow doubt to tarnish your lust for latinum <laughs> latinum is the ferengi money by the way or like the money of the galaxy right right so uh and uh no good deed Never goes unpunished. Well, here's here's a shifty one. Never be afraid to mislabel a product. That's like that's oh, the description man. of all the Craigslist listings. It's like Gibson Epiphone. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> I will say that um, I my big thing, and and you know, I've had people tell me that I'm dumb for doing it this way, but it's the way that I've chosen to do it. Is I always try to keep my subject lines clean right and i hate keyword lists oh uh, they're the about this worst and i've talked to people about this they're like no man like i always get hits off a keyword list i'm like you get hits but like i don't know like they're like yo you never know when somebody's searching for an ampeg but they'll they'll buy a crate for the right price and i'm like i get it but i feel like i've got part like part of me I won't say I won't say as a creative writer because I'm not a creative writer, but I do have like a part of me that's like, okay, if I'm selling a fender that's a two humbucker fender, like a two humbucker telecaster or something, uh-huh. I'm not just gonna put keyword Gibson in a keyword list at the bottom. Like I'm gonna weave some tale about how this two two humbucker telecaster sounds just like a Gibson less you know, made in Mexico, double humbucker telecaster. Get that Gibson Les Paul tone for the price of an Epiphone. Right, right. You're gonna like, leave a little nail there. You nail both those keywords that you want to use, but it it makes it like readable. You don't just look like some guy who's spamming a list. Uh huh. Okay, so I think we've run out of rules of acquisition that apply to the show and apply to our little our little culture here. But there's another thing I wanted to pull up to read. Because I think it perfectly sums up our culture uh, around the podcast and around like guitar flipping and gear flipping. The five stages of acquisition according to the Ferengi. <laughs> There's stages? There's five stages. This is like the five stages of grief, but only it's, it's acquisition. Okay. And this sums everything up. First stage is infatuation. Okay. Second stage, justification. <laughs> <laughs> Third stage is appropriation. That's where you get it. Yeah. Fourth stage is obsession. That's where you're on, you know, Instagram, Facebook, posting pictures, Kyle Smithing it up in the air. I go like, look at the new gear I got. It's so good. Oh, you this cook this kicks like three drives off my board, guys. This is the best one. And then the fifth and final stage of acquisition is resale. 
Like, if that doesn't sum up, like, the current gear community, I don't know what does. I mean, you know, that's a that's kind of an interesting thing. Like, we post pedal board shots, and sometimes I just think, like, man, maybe I should just be like, here's my pedal board. What do you guys think? If you want to buy something, let me know. Yeah, everything is for sale. Everything's for sale <laughs> for the right price. <laughs> should get a little uh, price tag gun and put prices on all your pedals. What if... What if there was a market? Obviously, there's not, uh, but it would be funny if there became a market where, like, we could just take pedals, uh, sign them, slap a 60 cycle hum sticker on top of the signature, and uh, and there was like a market for that where, like, people would buy pedals off of our personal boards at like near full price. Even if we bought them used, we're we're very slightly famous, Steve. Like I, know, so I just sl- want this so to be real. Slightly famous that, like, we're not really even famous at all. Like, we're not. We're known among a group of guitar players on the internet. Like yeah, that's a small, all there is. a small group. A, a handful of builders know and like us and. The people who don't like us aren't telling us about it. Tolerate our existence. I don't. They tolerate our existence. I don't think anyone is going to buy a pedal from us at an increased value because we signed it. They probably would actually want to pay less because that's the advice we would give on the show. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> hey, you put your name on there. That you damage that. That's graffiti, as far as yeah. I'm concerned. You know what? Uh, speaking of damaging things, uh, <laughs> let's hit this last ad. Last ad of the show. Why Here you, we why, go. Why do you need to sing? Uh, weren't you singing earlier in I was. The show? My song was good. Super good. Oh, you were singing Mr. Belvedere. You did nail it. You knocked it out of the park. I remember how good that Mr. Belvedere song was when Steve was singing it. I'd say it was better than the original recording. At least. All right. Uh, this was set, sent in or posted to the group by uh, Colin Bedard. Um, it's a uh, Stratocaster modded for improved access to the electronics. Uh, quote, Fender should start making strats like these. I bet sales would skyrocket. Uh, I'm glad I'm glad actually that Colin posted this because I think this could be uh, the design you need to use for your quick swap Stratocaster. <laughs> um, so this, full disclosure, this was po- there was a screen grab that Colin posted of, of a guy named Taylor Werner posting to the group Awesome Cheap Guitars. I want to give credit where credit is due. Um, so this is the back side of a Stratocaster. Yeah. We can't even see everything that was done to this because we can't see the front. And there's a huge cutout in another part of the guitar here. Yeah, it's basically like a reverse swimming pool route. But yeah, this there's this huge route made behind the pickups. There's also like the a back. Like basically the butt of the guitar is That's missing. what I was talking about is the oh, extra okay. one. But we're going to talk about this huge swimming pool route. So this is so you can you can get into this guitar's guts without taking off the pick guard. You but can't, then like you can't access the neck pickup though. You can access the wiring for it, which I think is the point. Oh yeah. Uh, but the thing that's crazy about it is that they've routed it almost all the way up to the uh, the neck plate, and to accommodate this extra long route back here. They've doubled up the springs for the tremolo. Yeah, so it's long enough. They're, normally, you have like three strings in a strat trim. This is six strings, but in three rows. 
six, where they're like connected to each other. Six strings, huh? And what I wanted to talk about is I've actually seen this done before for really? other purposes, not for uh, not for wiring access. This guy on a on a forum years and years ago posted a project that was similar to this, but his idea and the thing he was trying to do was he had another pickup loaded in the back of the guitar facing the springs. Oh my and his idea was to have a built-in spring reverb that was powered off the vibration of the guitar and the vibration of the springs. Oh my gosh. Um, it was before it was easy for people to post sound clips. I don't think he ever was ever able to prove the concept, but he produced the modification and posted pictures of yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like it wouldn't really work. It, it would. That's not really how reverb. That's works. not really how reverb works. But it kind of is how reverb works. But no, because you have to isn't. run the signal through the spring. Yeah, like it's you're gonna that pickup is going to pick up the vibrations of those springs, but that means it's gonna pick up the vib all the vibrations of your guitar. Right, minute detail because those right. springs are just gonna sit there and shake. And not it's like not a gonna pick up like your microphone. You're basically micing in the spring. You're not actually cr creating reverb. Reverb is signal specific. Yeah, uh, yeah, signal specific. Yeah. So I don't know if he had a reverb circuit in there that fed off the springs or what. Um, but but then, honestly, but then if it was wide open, you'd have like live signal running through the springs that would be touching your body. <sighs> I don't know, man. It's a bad idea. I agree that it's a bad idea. <laughs> and this looks like a really bad idea, this guitar. And I can you can tell that there's some other huge modification to this that's just... This guitar is missing a lot of wood. So do you think this was real, or do you think this was just a... Uh, I think it a, really happened. A, well, obviously it really happened, but do you think this guy was posting this for real, or do you think this was just like a joke? Oh, he's the guy who posted it in Awesome Cheap Guitars is joking. Oh, okay. He's, I'm he's, not in that group. It's very so. it's very tongue in cheek over there, but then people legitimately love cheap guitars. Like right. there's a rule you can't post a guitar over five hundred dollars. Oh wow. Yeah. It's a fun group. Go jump on that group. It's a, like kind of it's a it's a hybrid of a classifieds group and like a bragging about your deals group. Oh, and also cool. there's a I posted the first act guitar there and people got really excited. Oh yeah. There's a little bit of a fetish for guitars that are like almost unreasonably cheap. Yeah. Well, some of the first acts I've seen locally, I mean, you got yours for 25. Yeah. You got a pretty nice one for 25. I've seen some of the other ones in like the 40 to 60 range. And sometimes I'm just like, some of them are junk. Oh. I mean, mine looks cool, but I just don't like the way it plays. Right. I might try to fix it up. After posing it to that group, a lot of people were like, no, fix it. No, you gotta, do this. You got to no, fix that, man. You got to do this and that, this and that. So I might try to make it. I'm gonna I'm gonna get it working enough to demo it and then talk about it in a video, right. and you then should, I'll figure out what to do with you it. You should do a joint, uh, do another video like uh, with Paul, uh, where you do the demo the first act and what like does he still own a Duesenberg? I'm not sure what he has right now. Just get have him bring down one of his high end guitars and like demo the first act versus yeah. that guitar. I'm trying to get him unplug. To trying to get to him to bring his chieftain over. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Through, demo the first act through the matchless. Yeah. Oh, and and he's going to be coming over this Sunday. Hopefully, Paul has a uh, Paul has a busy life, and I can't blame him. But he has a history of of having to back out of plans quite often. Um, so I say that he's coming over Sunday. 
Uh, it might happen. If it doesn't happen, I won't be disappointed. But he got one of those Jackson Pedal Works prism, prisms. Yeah. And so we might do a little demo of that. Are they actually? For fun. Do they actually are they actually uh, called Jack, Jackson Pedal Works? Well, uh, their amp company is Ampworks, right? Right. But I thought their pedal company was still Ampworks. It. I thought they were two companies. I don't know. Well, Jackson's. Uh, yeah, people know what prism, we're talking about, or they don't. It's like a three hundred something dollar boost. But then Paul says it's it's really great, and he loves it in like a drivey sort of way. So. Yeah. All right. I'm looking well, forward uh, to seeing uh, and hearing him mess around with it. Yeah. And take, keep a lookout on our YouTube channel for that demo. Do you want to wrap this up? Steve? Yeah, I was going to say thanks to our sponsors, uh, Sinusoid. If you need a cable, uh, head on over to thanksforfriendship.com. Oh, wait, no. That's not. Okay, sorry. Uh, <laughs> head on over to sinusoid.com. And uh, if you're looking for something unique, try their Build a Cable uh, app. On the website. It's and, not an uh, app. It's just a page on their website. Page. It's kind of an app. Does an app have to stand alone? It's like an appetizer. Mm. It makes you... It builds up your appetite for cables. Appetite for destruction. Never mind. <laughs> um, I'm going to have some speaker cables coming in from yeah. them soon. Yeah, you uh, are. So that I can do shootouts between those couple speakers. And that's going to be fun. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, do you want to thank our other sponsor? Yeah, let's thank our other sponsor. Barefoot Buttons! They're the button of buttons. The barefoot of barefoot. They're barefoot buttons. I'm glad you covered that because I uh, forgot who our other sponsor was for a second. Oh, Steve! You jumped in. At, well, I would have looked down at my sheet. I just didn't have it active in my head. I hadn't loaded it up yet. All right. Um, our song this week is sent in by Josh Marmon uh, of the band Jake and Josh. <laughs> Uh, Which song, one do you think he is in the band? I think he's Jake. Okay. Uh, this song is called Song for Hurricane Irene. Uh, he said, I recorded this five years ago with my buddy Jake after a disappointing, hur- quote, hurricane, quote, hit the Northeast. Uh, we made the song up as we went along. We used Epiphone Hummingbird and recorded the song on the Voice Memos iPhone app. Nice. Uh, so enjoy, and we'll be posting uh, a link to that, and hopefully Ryan doesn't screw it up. All right. Later, guys. Bye. Hurricane. Blew my launch air over. It made me really, really wet. Love.
look stupid, Irene. Made me really look stupid. Really, really stupid, Irene. You look really stupid because it was pink. And I had purple flowers. And I don't like my sister's umbrella. Wanna choose my black one with the really cool red stripes Because that made me look really cool Makes me look like I'm a part of part of Radio Shack or something Like a black and a red and Yeah, but it was purple and pink and I didn't want it It's you, Irene Irene, I bought your pens for you Because I thought I was going to be in the basement for a long time A long, long time And now I just have a bunch of pens in my basement <laughs> It's normal food that means nothing! And bottled water! It's bad! Cause you are a hurricane! Oh, I read! I read! I did pile of stupid underwear and I didn't even know where I was going! Oh, I read! I read! I read! I sold my kid! For you, so I could have money to survive. I thought you were gonna be another Y2K, but you were just another 2YK. Oh, Irene, we saved money for you, Irene. You ruined our lives hard, but not with the storm. By spending a lot of money on you, now I gotta go to Walmart and buy another lawn chair. What does a Chinese woman with one leg that was shorter than the other call herself? Irene. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe.